Welcome to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. Join us as we look back at all the best moments of 2022. We should we could maybe ask somebody the question no better than us, Rachel. Matt Fagerson's joined us. Um, so we can ask him Matt. Matt, good evening. How are we? You all well? Great. How how are you guys? I'm great. We're good. We're good. Thanks. We're just saying that Very well, thank congratulations you. at the weekend. Amazing result. Amazing brave individual result uh, performance and team performance in terms of the bravery and the the attitude and then getting the key moments right. But we feel there's still more to come. We feel there's like a bigger performance in there. Um, would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think like we we looked at the review clips this morning. I think Gaz has gone through their individual games. And I think, yeah, the crazy thing is like we, we beat an England side at home, as you said, in the Six Nations. And yeah, we didn't really fire a shot. I mean, apart from our four-man line-out that um, mm. Ben White went over to score. I think like there was so much more and there was opportunities we we didn't actually take. Um, so, so, so yeah, that's an exciting thing from our point of view, but also a bit frustrating, um, which is weird mm. to say after a cup, cup, cup win. <laughs> and how's the body? It was a physical old encounter, wasn't it? This is what we're uh, not giving any secrets away, but we're talking on Monday, so it is still fresh after the, the game at the weekend. Is it... Uh, is the body in one piece? Yeah, the body's quite sore still today. Um, I think some of the boys are still recovering. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll get in the pool and stuff tonight and then hopefully we'll be sweet by tomorrow. Do you find, uh, after a game like that, obviously defensively, the number of tackles, particularly in the first half, was was through yeah. the roof. Do you find your body takes that bit longer after a game where it's maybe been slightly more defensive than attacking and takes that bit longer to recover? Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. You'll, know, you'll know yourself, Rachel. It's um, It's crazy. Like it's not actually my shoulders that get sore, it's like my back and my traps and you know every other little thing around it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 100%. When you have a bigger defensive display from the boys, you definitely come in feeling a bit sore come, uh, come Monday. And, and will that influence what you can do this week in training? Uh, I mean, obviously, it, it's not unusual, isn't it? I mean, we've all been involved in Six Nations and you know the intensity of the game and the, the back-to-back nature of the games that come. So the, the S&C and the coaches will yeah. prepare for it, but does it does it influence how much you can you can do early on in the week? Um, yeah, I think like I think a few boys looked after themselves today, and I think the physios are pretty good at that. Um, but yeah, like we're all professionals, so I think even though it is a, a huge test the weekend, you know, you do your recovery right um, the day after the game, and you do all right today. Today was more of a low key clarity day, um, and uh, yeah, sort of gearing up into the Wales week, and then tomorrow. It's probably our biggest day, our biggest contact day. So I think if guys still aren't really right for them, then they'll probably be off contact um, mm. until come Thursday. So yeah, they get looked after quite well. Um, so in terms of, I know you'll not want to blow your own trumpet here, uh, <laughs> but in terms of on a personal level, obviously winning a Calcutta Cup in a packed at Murrayfield, getting man of the match, where does that sit in, uh, in your kind of rugby life in terms of achievements? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I think, um, you know, I didn't really think about it. I didn't even realise till after the game and the media um, guy came over and sort of said, can you come to the media? And I was a bit like, no, I want to sort of celebrate with the boys. He was like, Matt, you got man of the match. And I was like, oh, wow, right, okay. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> to be honest, I think any number of boys could have got Like, Darcy was class, Hoggy was brilliant, Finn was was even better, Hamish was, was, was superb as usual, you know. So I think it was just a huge team effort and I think... You know, um, I was just lucky to get on the end of a, a man of the match. But yeah, no, it was an awesome game to be a part of. And it was probably one of my, my favourite games in a Scotland jersey. 
it was clear that the game was won relatively early on in yeah. terms of your dominance, in terms of set piece of power. But what really struck me above all else was nobody jumped out of the system. Nobody tried to be a hero. Nobody tried to you know, take the opportunity against a, a team that were you, you were you were dominating to play selfishly. Yeah. How proud of all that are you as as a, the captain, obviously, but and Lana as well. That that, that that's a disciplined team performance. Was that part of the focus, or was it? That just was the only focus. Or was it? That was that was the only focus. Like, and that's like I said after the game, how proud I was of us as a team because, like, we knew if we got us right, we would win the game. Like, didn't know what we were necessarily going to be faced with because we don't know a huge amount. Didn't know a huge amount about Columbia, but we're showing them as much respect as we would do any t- any team we play. But the one thing that we did not stop talking about since like the second we came into camp to minute one of that that test was that we do not go away from systems just because. Mm-hmm we're faced with a slightly less structured defence or attack or whatever it is, we stick to our systems and we stick to us. And I think the way we did it from literally, I said it after the game, minute one to minute 80, mm-hmm. although like it wasn't the toughest opposition we've ever played, it was the most clinical performance we've ever had in terms of there were so few unforced errors. There was some really impressive tries where we didn't try and go too early. We, we built the mm-hmm. phases and we kind of earned the right to go wide and things like that. So no, I, I was so proud of the girls and, and like, just sticking to task and keeping that focus, like we said all week. Do you re- reiterate that on the field, Lana, or, is it, or was the focus just so much on that it just became natural? Or are you saying at a time, listen, we're two or three tries up early, we're playing well, stick to the systems, keep on it, or is it just ingrained? Was that a conscious effort throughout the game, not just before the game as well? For like the leadership group anyway, I think it's ingrained in us now that that's how we want to play the game is by sticking to our processes and what, and what we're good at no matter who the opposition are. But I think for me, it's set piece-wise. I was just reiterating the same message every time we went to a scrum, every time we went to a line-out. Uh, me and Emma Wassel were just reiterating the same message, just focusing on us. And and yeah, like I think it just becomes second nature to repeat those messages out to the whole team. Well, that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a challenge. No, like it is a challenge. And it's, um, I think, I, I, I don't know what you, you guys were saying previously, but I think first things first is that the, the challenge has got to stick to, to continue to stick to the systems that we had in place on Friday. I think for me as a as a coach looking into that, I think the most pleasing thing was that following the discussions that we'd had all week, following the discussions that we'd had previously was all about how how professional we could be. And there's no reason why we can't stick to that professionalism going into England. Look, it's going to be tougher, there's no doubt about it. But I think where we where we've come from. I think we've won five out of the last six games, and you go into you go into any Six Nations game on the back of those wins. You you actually take a little bit of momentum with you, and look, we all know that the game is based on momentum. Whether it's the game that you're playing in, or whether you're going into that game with momentum, I think that I think we're all in a good place. I think, but look, I've seen England. I've watched them closely. I've seen them again today. I watched them again yesterday. I think the, the most important thing is, is is winning your own ball, looking after your own ball, and making sure your sisters are in place defensively. So, look, it's a massive challenge, but it's a challenge that we we cannot wait for. It's something that I think Rachel and I and Lana probably all said it straight after the game on on Friday night was bring it on. Let's let's it's the next chapter. It's the next step now. So let's 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 go for it. Well, Tom was a one-off, um, one-off as a, as a rugby player uh, and a person. And you, you, you see some front rowers nowadays that have skills um, that, that can pass the ball. 
But back in the, the mid-90s, um, the, the props didn't do that. Tom was unique in his ball-playing ability. So I played against him. He must have been 16. I was 15. So he was in fifth year uh, at Rannoch uh, High School, but playing for uh, Northern Midlands and schoolboy team. And I got one game that year. To, um, someone had uh, been suspended from school. So I managed to get called up. My, my one game of the season was against Northern Midlands schools, who were the best team by far. Uh, and we lost by 50 points uh, up at Mayfield. And I have a couple of memories from that game because it was a, it was a big sort of step up um, in my career. Um, one of them was putting a kickoff slightly low, let's call it. Uh, Sliced? <laughs> didn't, didn't reach the second row. But this loose head prop caught it on the 10 meter line and just sprinted past me. And I like, oh, we, as South School players, we're going, who's that guy? He's, yeah. he's a prop, but he's, he's so quick. Uh, the next year, we, we were selected in the, the Scottish schools team, under 18s team. Um, and Tom and I played together. Tom is known as a quiet, quiet man um, throughout his career, but back at schoolboy uh, level, he was literally very, very quiet. He didn't say a word at all. Um, and for some reason, I just remember bonding with him. Uh, he, he was an excellent um, loose head, but he, we moved him to, to number eight, um, or the selectors did, because he was our best forward. So he took that through into his, his playing career and, and and what was remarkable for me about his playing career was the ability to to go up against bigger men um, and do his job at prop as well as showing his his fantastic skills that he had in attack and his and his toughness to to play for so long at the highest level. I have to say as well, you you probably were there, Mossy, but um, he's given the best after dinner speech. Uh, <laughs> captain speech that I've seen uh, which was against the All Blacks so we um, to give us some context we played Argentina the week before um, Argentina captain goes up speaks first Tom replies I think we just lost that game by a couple of points yeah and 2001 and after the dinner is finished um, all the Argentinians are calling up Omar Hassan to sing a song he's a tenor operatic singer so he, I think he sings Nessan Dorma and the, the whole place is a, give him a round of applause. So no, no one else knew what had happened then, but Scott Murray had bet Tom, his best mate, uh, that £100 that he would, if he would sing a song next week at the, the dinner of the All Black game. <laughs> so All Black game, we, we did really well. I remember we did really well for 70 minutes, but All Blacks kicked on to win. Anton Oliver after the game, um, talks about the game and coming to Scotland. And then up, up comes uh, the Scotland captain, Tom Smith, to reply. Uh, and he just goes, start spreading the news. <laughs> and has two or three lines of New York, New York, and says to Scott Murray, that'll be £100, thank you. Which, like, out of character, mm. if you didn't know Tom, like, yeah. because he's a quiet person. But he's so mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the confidence to get up in front of him before 400 people when you're Scotland captain, to sing New York, New York was, was brilliant. It's no one knew about it apart from Scott Murray, and we're going, this is amazing. Tom Smith <laughs> singing New York, New York. Yeah. Uh, I, I went to uh, 
try and get into Scotland in their eighteens and didn't get in, mm -hmm. um, which is like it's quite it's quite funny because obviously. I was the same. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's one of those ones. That's why I always say to young yeah. young guys when when they when they say like, "Oh, give me one bit of advice," just say, "Just never give up on it." Like, you, yeah. it's quite easy to get a bit disheartened, like, because mm -hmm. some, especially in rugby, it's one of those things that you might not make it until you you hear stories of people making it at 24, 25. Yeah. And so if you're not if you've not made an age grade squad at under 16s, under 18s, I'll just stay always sticking and believing yourselves. And I, I get asked that question a lot, and I've obviously you've been there, I've been there, yeah. and I think. It happens all through the career as well, has had it? some sort of setback at some point. So. Yeah, it happens all through the career. But that first rejection, if you can call it that, yeah. is the hardest one. But that's the one I think everybody has to get over. When you yeah. get over that, you realise actually there is a life after it. You, you can get back in or force your way in. I know we're jumping back and forward a little bit, but um, it was 2011. That, that was my final year, actually. Well, 2012 I retired, but 2011 my final year, um, really full year. And I remember you coming to the Edinburgh system. You, was it the sevens you signed with first? So, it, but you trained with us at Edinburgh. So back then we did like um, elite, elite, elite development, development programs. Program. Yeah. So I was actually it was a split contract. So it was yeah. sevens and fifteens. Yeah. So when you weren't on, when you weren't on the sevens tour, you'd go yeah. and train with Edinburgh and stuff like that. <laughs> what were your memories of training with us for the first time? It's funny because. Um, <laughs> Like almost half my coaching staff now, I've all played with them, and it scares the life out of me. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got Robbo, Stevie Laurie, yeah. and Mike Blair, and I played yeah. I played with all of them. And one of my first memories, I tell Stevie, well, I've got two. One of my, my first memory with Stevie is um, in a touch game. I handed him off, you know, like 19 years old, came in, handed him off. And I thought like it wasn't like a proper touch, so I was fine. Ran through, scored the try. <laughs> Stevie chased me back all the way and said, do that again, you little... Uh -huh and they'll knock you out so you and I'm 19 years old I never did it again I was too scared <laughs> you should have <laughs> and then and then I remember Mike I don't tell him this now but I told him when he's in the Scotland program I remember we were all in we were all, I think I was 24th man traveling to like Connacht or something and we mm. just had like a, a toughest training session we were talking about training and I was sort of on like a young boy on the outskirts over here in a conversation and uh Mike goes like bloody hell training's crap isn't it like I'd, I you know I love the games but training is great. and I heard it, I was like how does this guy not like training? <laughs> you know, when you're young, you're like, yeah. training with these yeah. kids is the best thing in the world. And, I, you know, as I've got a bit older... I'm you can appreciate you know, that. You can appreciate it a bit uh, more. Maybe, maybe certain bits of it weren't so good. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what it was getting at. I, I remember you coming in. I remember a um, couple of things. I remember you coming in and I remember Simon Webster, Webber you know well. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't involved, but you must have played in a game at Sale, it was a warm-up game away at yeah. Sale, I think, is it back again, what game early yeah. season? I think Webble must have played it. Must, I don't know if it was maybe around the 2011 World Cup time. Well, I think you boys were away. We were away, yeah. and, and I remember coming back, and, and Webble was a good mate of ours, was like, oh, we worked in this, you know, struggle that we're up against. It. Says, but there was this kid that came on, he said, it was stick thin, and I was a bit worried about it, but he just came on and started thumping people, and it was you. <laughs> so it was just like, kind of, obviously, filled out about since then but <laughs> it was oh I need to keep an eye on this lad so we kind of knew and it's a funny how that kind of senior player thing and you'll maybe do it now as a senior player yourself you kind of check out the the youngsters coming up so you had this instant uh, kind of reputation as being a real tough egg a real good one a good one to watch and I, I can vouch for that because I remember I don't know if it was the only time we played together but I remember being away in Ulster during the Six Nations of 2012 I think I and it was a, yeah. there wasn't a few there, there was a few missing let's say that went and Ulster were flying ruined peanut at the time and Johan Muller all the the kind of the big physical also yeah. guys and I remember we were we were up against it and maybe going at the second half I think it was maybe Roddy Grant that went off perhaps and Roddy went off in a couple of 
went off and I thought, oh, I was feeling sorry for myself. I thought, here we go. And then I looked at the touch and I said, it was you and Robert McAlpine coming on. Now, Rob McAlpine was a big second row. He was he was slightly lighter weight at that point yeah. as well. And I thought, oh, poor souls, here they come. And within a moment, you'd come on, strip the ball off somebody, bounce somebody else off and took off up the field. I thought, how wrong could I have been? I, I, felt, I felt a wee bit concerned for you. Um, but... Brilliant, immediate impact. Can you can you remember those remember, those games? I remember that moment so well because obviously as a young lad, like <laughs> I've looked up to you like my whole my whole career playing like you forty those sort of boys and mm. I remember you coming up to me after the game and we got like we got hammered. Yeah, we were up I, against. I, I lost by about uh, twenty odd points, twenty five uh, points. But I remember you coming up to me afterwards and saying how well I did and that it made <laughs> it made an absolute year. I, I was, get, I was, get, I was getting you inside. Yeah. I, was, I was needed needed some protection. I remember it. <laughs> Uh, the young, sorry, the young people. A different language, yeah, yeah, the young people will know what I'm talking about. I played a lot of Fortnite, but I don't game as much now. Um, and yeah, I just, I, yeah, it's probably just you know, it's like probably more family time. I still try and get, uh, go to coffees with the boys and stuff like that, but and we, not as much. And, when and you play football. F- and when you play FIFA, you'll be playing as Man United, I assume. Yeah, uh, I That's don't. You know, you know what? My team on FIFA have always been stoked because normally, and not this season, but normally United are too good. So if you start a career with them, it's always a bit boring. So I normally go stoke because they're like the next closest team to me and it makes it a bit harder because they're in the champ now as well. Um, like so I normally challenge. start a career with them. But, um, but Man United is your team. Man United is my team. We've, we've, me and my brothers are very fortunate that we've got season tickets there. Um, I don't get down very often, uh, so they always use them, and I don't get to use them. But uh, I'm sure after my rugby career, I'll say they owe me a few. Um, they, I can take long, a few. How people. long have you held the season ticket? Um, we've had it. We've had it a while. Cause before that, they were sort of my dad's name. My, yeah. my dad's had them since he was since he was a young lad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but then then we, they sort of got changed over to our name, and uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah, it's. It's awesome going to Old Trafford if no one's well. Never been. There's a lot of people who yeah. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be Liverpool fans or whatever. And um, but going to Old Trafford's uh, great, and it's always a always a special day out going with your family as well. And when you go now, all right, when you get the opportunity to go now as a professional, as an international sports, is it a release or do you watch it just for pure thrill and enjoyment, or do you feel as if you know they're doing what I do in a similar way? Do, do you watch no, the game differently, or is it is just pure it fanatic? Is a, it is a massive release, and I also understand when. It, it sometimes helps me understand how fans feel about rugby because yeah, sometimes yeah. you know sometimes you get a lot of like social media people who will slag you off on 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 stuff like that and it does help me feel because sometimes I just don't agree with the social media slagging but sometimes yeah. don't really get me wrong I'll have a drink with my brother after the game and be like God that guy I'm not going to name any names but God he was crap tonight <laughs> and I know I know as a fan because yeah. I, I can respect that because yeah, as a fan yeah, you get yeah. upset yeah. Um, but like yeah when I go there I'm yeah I just obviously respect what they do and. Uh, the, for them, they get seventy odd thousand every week, and uh, like it's like it's like playing a Scotland game every week, isn't yeah. it? It's it's an amazing atmosphere there. Yeah. What was the? I'll take you back to Saturday's great as say the first Scottish referee to, to referee in the Rugby Championship, and you know having the experiences you've had over the last three or four years, these landmarks and these achievements you're you're reaching. I suppose my mind goes to the comparison between Six Nations rugby and rugby championship rugby. The game's becoming more global, of course, it is, and you'll know a lot of the players and have refereed a lot of the players as individuals anyway. But did it seem different, the rugby championship to the Six Nations in any way? Yeah, I guess so. I think I think rugby championship and Six Nations are probably just like a different brand, different style of rugby. I think just because I, I think I got a question last week just around referee style. Does it does it change between North and Southern Hemisphere? And mm-hmm. I said not not really. It's normally just the style that you, the, the brand of rugby that you're refereeing is slightly yeah. different so refs have to make a slight adjustment rather yeah. than any 
any differences in, in refereeing interpretation. But uh, look, it was it was a great experience, especially especially over in Argentina, a place probably not as familiar for us to to come over to and referee. And we're we're more used to staying in Europe or, or down South Africa more often. So like it, for me, it was a great experience. Especially like we always chat about about these these times and the games that you referee, and you end up going to places that you'd never visit yeah. as a going on holiday. You, you go to these, go to Mendoza, which I had been before, but obviously seventeen years ago. I'm up, I'm up in San Juan just now, which I'll. I will never come come up. I'd never take take anybody take my other half over here on on holiday. Um, so it's yeah, I I I love it. I love nice. it. It's just su- such different culture. The people over here are so friendly, so nice. We're made to feel so welcome over here. So it's like I I find it great. Any wacky ideas? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. No no uh, no wacky ideas. But but I just it's just been uh, it's been refreshing to work work with Frank because it's not often. Uh, you get an SNC coach who looks at times to put rugby first. Yeah. They're obviously looking after themselves, but at the end of the day, we're here to, to win games. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the stuff we've managed to put together um, and train, I think, will will pay off come the next two tests in the World Cup. The goals are in a... They've worked extremely hard. <laughs> they loved it. But uh, we want to be a confrontational side. Yeah. That's what we want to be. And that for me, it's, it's a big difference. Uh, it's one of the big differences we've made in defence around our, our double tackles and looking to be as confrontational as we can. If we can continue with that work and that conditioning around that element, it's going to be good for us. I'm just laughing at that. You're smirking. There's some wacky ideas you're desperate to tell us about. We've been... <laughs> There is one exercise which has not gone down well where yeah. we essentially hey, ballroom, ballroom dance with a tackle bag. <laughs> and it's, it's, really, it's Ballroom really, dance with a tackle bag. Essentially, it's, it's about closing the shoulder there in defence. only two people. In the two people, that's an absolute lie. But anyway, the rest, now there have been some really cool ideas that we've, we've done and the girls are definitely getting um, a lot stronger in key positions, particularly around kind of how we can hold players up in defence and stuff like that. So, no, it, it's it's showing on the field. But there is a few wacky ideas which get a few of us riled up. <laughs> Talk us through the science of the ballroom dance. Uh, no, to, to be honest, like, it was between me and Ty. And I wanted Don't to... drag me into this, <laughs> mate. <laughs> uh, no, we, we were looking at... Um, I think the conversation started after we attended a workshop that the, the men's team organized with Lecky and mm-hmm. Stu Yule and Steve Tandy, and they shared some very cool ideas. So me and Ty was like, yeah, let's try to, to do something similar, but that applies to our environment, to our team and our philosophy. We, did, we just didn't want to copy yeah. uh, and paste pretty much. And uh, one of the, the, the goal was try to work a little bit on rotation, closing the shoulder. So we, we started with, um, I guess, a basic drill in the first block, and then we wanted to progress it. And so I went to Ty, and I was like, what do you think about this? We're like, yep, yeah, sweet, let's, <laughs> let's do it. But now the girls are just yeah, complaining with that. Oh, talk about f- what you feel in the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. at home, how we're feeling in the moment is very different. You maintained your composure unbelievably well uh, at Gaffney's second. Uh, I, I mean, that, what was it? The 78th, 79th minute. 78.15. That was a really, really big moment in, in what was a very dramatic finish, a game that literally went down to the last kick. But you maintained your composure, I have to say, oh, a lot better than we did in my living room. Yeah. Uh, it was just fantastic to know that everyone's like, you know, engaging with it on the world stage, obviously. Not the team's not been there for 12 years. And in 2010, 2006, um, there was experience 
exposure, but not mm. on the level that, that, that it is now. And it's just phenomenal. It's not just on the TV and social media as well. So the exposure is just fantastic. So I know, yeah, it was just so exciting, those two tries. So um, just building pressure, building pressure. So um, just so close at the end, just to lose out on the on the final kick. Yeah, it was. what's the Latin to lead out? It's education. Prime and Miss Jean Brodie since we're in Edinburgh. But it's the leading out of a player. Mm-hmm. So that that's exactly what you're trying to get the best out of the player. So any coach will be trying to do that and trying to do that as a collective for the team. So it's the leading out. So once is that absolutely once the whistle goes, it's over to the the team. So it's developing. One time, I remember we did a we used to do this horrible S and C conditioning session. Oh, it was just like awful, awful. And everyone used to like <laughs> sign themselves up for it. But one day the coach wasn't there, mm. and everyone was like, "Do we do it? Do, yeah." <laughs> and so there's the so there's yeah. And it was just really interesting. We went. We're doing it, aren't we? Uh-huh. And he was just like, and he was like, and we still did it to that like same mm-hmm. intensity. And I was just like, he took that. He'd done. He'd done yeah. his job. You know what I mean? He'd like that's that's how you do a session. So hats off to him. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. um, thank you for mentioning that too, because it was quite funny. It was yeah, it's week four now, so it's about two nights ago. Xander at two o'clock in the morning, you went. Turn around and he was like, shoo, and I was like, no, Z, are you mocking me? And he actually did it in his sleep. So that was quite cool for me, and um, I appreciate him for that. There's, I feel like he's teeing up a business opportunity here. Speaking about speaking about the weekend, um, oddly, I'm going to go in a different direction than you might think here. The world's strongest men, brothers oh, even, the world's yeah. strongest brothers were there. You, you, you met them. Fanboy. I had a chat with them on the pitch. He, he sprinted over, I was behind them. I was like, oh, It was just so fascinating to watch. However, you're thinking immediately, you're looking at them, get them a pair of boots, get them a jersey as well. You guys <laughs> will train them up. I want to talk a bit about, deeper about that. Scrummaging, talk to me about the dark art of it, the, the prep that goes into it, the work that goes into it. It's not quite as straightforward as, as just having all the power, which you clearly do. Well, I think it's, it's so much like technical as well, you know. It's like it's not a one-on-one competition, so mm-hmm. it's an eight-man thing, you know. So if everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet, eight people, hundred kegs, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of power going forward. But it just takes like one east-to-west movement or one person to go down or go up, you know, and all the power can shift either going forward, downwards, east-to-west. So it's all about being on the same hymn sheet, all going for the same goal and all buying in, you know. But like timing's a big thing as well, you know. If if you, if, you, if, you, if you, the front row would get a great hit, the back five don't catch up which usually happens, um, <laughs> always playing the back five. And then of course, when it's synchronized, it's like, oh wow, like great shot, you know? But then some teams come with a big lean, some teams come with a small lean. So th- there is like a real technical element to it, yeah. but it's, it's, a, it's a mindset thing as well. And our deepest condolences <coughs> go to Cathy, to Hamish, Angus and Ben too, to all of Doddy's family and, and close friends. And I think the, the thing with Doddy Weir is that you never forget that moment. If you were privileged enough to have met him, you will never forget that moment when you did first meet him. Jim, take us back to that time for you when, when you first met Doddy. Well, actually, it's a long time ago, <laughs> and I can't even remember it, but I see clips on, uh, on TV and hear people speaking. And uh, uh, he came to us uh, at Melrose when he was about 18. And uh, I, about the same time I had joined the club, uh, to help coaching, I was a I was headmaster at Hoyk at the time, and I wasn't supposed to be doing any coaching. That was the deal I'd made with the region. <laughs> uh, so I thought club coaching wasn't too bad as as time off for international c- coaching. So I I 1989 or 88 something like that, uh, and Chris may not believe this, but uh, or <laughs> but. 
Melrose and Scotland have always had the same problem, or what did when I was playing and then coaching. We never could get big enough forwards mm. uh, to compete with the opposition. <laughs> I guess it's still true with Scotland. Mm. Uh, but we have produced some huge fellows like Doddy. And so uh, we always struggled against teams like Gala and Hoik at the club level. And England, of course, and, and South Africa, and these teams, uh, the All Blacks and so on, at the international level. So when it didn't strike me straight away, it struck me later. Here was a man, six foot seven, or a boy, six foot seven, thin as a gazelle, as, uh, <laughs> and athletic. Mm. And uh, I worked it out that uh, what we could do with him was what other teams had done to us. You know, he could win line of ball, he could prevent the opposition winning line of ball, and he could run and pass and, and so on. So uh, it was a it was a blessing that when Doddy came down from uh, Corto Ferry in his car towards Gala, <laughs> he took a left fork <laughs> towards Melrose a bit, you know, uh, like, you know, the eureka moment for him <laughs> when he came through Lang Lee, you know, to Melrose, and so that's where the story begins, and that's uh, it goes on from there. But to be quite honest, I was not involved with Doddy all the time because I wasn't involved with Scotland when he was involved with Scotland until maybe well the end of the World Cup '91. Mm -hmm. I stopped then, and then in '97 with the Lions, and then later. And I, uh, I got involved again. So, uh, but at Melrose, I was involved quite a lot, and uh, with them from about '88 on to '94 or something like that. That's all from us for 2022. Thank you for joining us for yet another year. From everyone here at Scottish Rugby, we wish you a very happy new year. Mm -hmm.